Hello, and welcome back to Catching Up David. Today is episode 29, Little Women. Hello, Kristen. Hello, David. Hello, Hallie. Greetings, David. So Little Women is a 2019 coming-of-age period drama film written and directed by Greta Gerwig. It's based on the 1868 novel of the same name by Louisa May Alcott and stars Saoirse Ronan, Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, again, Eliza Scanlon, Laura Dern, Timothy Chalamet, I think that's right, Meryl Streep, Tracy Letts, and Bob Odenkirk. So what... So, decide to say Saoirse Ronan yeah, instead who is, of Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, just talk us through your process there. So I listened to a YouTube video of somebody from Ireland pronouncing Irish names. And they mentioned, I, I looked up specifically for Saoirse because I wasn't sure how to pronounce that. And he said Saoirse Ronan with the emphasis on the last syllable. And I thought that was just how she said it. <laughs> But maybe that's how they say it in Ireland. No, no. If you watch Graham Norton, whenever they talk about Gerard Butler, they don't say Gerard. They say Gerard. Like a garage. Yeah. Like, isn't that is that yeah. the, the British way to say it? Garage? Yeah, it is. So I think, yeah. I think you just got the Irish Ronan instead of the American. Ronan. Ronan. I also saw an interview with her where she says Sersha and she introduces her name as like Sersha, like inertia. And then I guess some Irish people are like, you're saying your name wrong. It's Sersha Ronan. And she's like, why are you telling me how to say my own name? Yeah. Why would you do that? But yeah. Fun fact. Proceed. Okay. So I recognize Florence Pugh because we just watched her in Midsummer, and her hair was basically the same. Mm-hmm. So, so that was... That was easy. But it's lovely hair, and isn't it? It is. It is. And Meryl Streep is always Meryl Streep, so I got her. Good. And I I know Tracy Letts from his writing, because he's a fantastic playwright, and he's written several of my favorite plays. But I didn't recognize him as a person, so I guess that doesn't really count. I just saw that he was in the movie, and I was like, oh, Tracy Letts. Which, which one was Tracy? And Tracy Letts is he's Mr. Dashwood. Who's no. Mr. Dashwood? I don't recall a Mr. Dashwood. That sounds like a Jane Austen character. Who is Mr. Dashwood? I don't know. That's what it... Oh, that's oh! What it, is he the uh, printer guy? Oh! He must be printer oh, he guy. Might, he must be the printer guy. We got it. We solved the mystery. World's greatest detective. That's me. He's printer yeah. guy. Yeah, the publisher. Mr. Yeah, Dashwood. Yeah, yeah. That's Tracy Letts. Mr. Okay. Dashwood. All right, cool. We figured it out. Chris Cooper is Mr. Lawrence. I don't know who that is. Did you recognize anyone else in the movie, David? Bob Odenkirk. He's Saul from Breaking Bad. Even though his hair is very different, his face is still like pretty much the same. I can't believe Breaking Bad was your point of reference for him. I don't have any other points of reference. I'm just surprised that you knew Breaking Bad. I've seen all of Breaking Bad. It's one of the the few premiere television shows that I've actually watched all of. It's like that and The Sopranos. I watched most of The Wire. I've seen the first season. I've seen the first two seasons of True Detective. That's basically it. Oh, Peaky Blinders with uh, What's-His-Face, the guy who is the head Peaky Blinder. 
with the jaw the jaw bones. I've watched half an episode. He's also Irish. I don't I don't know. You know the you know the guy I'm talking about with the with the no, with I the don't. cheekbones. No. Hey you do. You know. You know. I don't know cheekbones. C- Cillian Murphy. Oh no, Killian Murphy? I don't like him. Killian Murphy. <laughs> with the jawbone. He's got his he's got his he's got his cheekbones. Yeah. Okay. You're right. He does have prominent cheekbones. I will give you that. Killian, not so, Cillian. I can't believe you do like all these things. Anyone else in this movie, David? So I recognize the name Emma Watson. <laughs> I've, I know that I should know Laura Dern because this has come up before. Laura, but was in the Fault in Our Stars, and that was the mom. It, yeah. And pointed that she was the lady from Jurassic Park, and you were like, what? So I wanted to yeah. you recognized her, and apparently you recognized her name, but not her face? Not not really. <sighs> no. It's weird, because Laura Dern is just like, Laura Dern, like, she's like Meryl Streep. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's, that's Laura that's Dern Laura. being here in this movie. Yeah. She's wonderful. No, she was great. I liked her character a lot. Marmy. Which we will talk about in a second. She was nominated Marmy. for an Oscar. Good for Laura. Yeah. For this role, not just like in general. Not just like we we feel like giving Laura oh, an Oscar this year. No, I don't think it was for this. I think she her Oscar was for um marriage story. I think that's where she had best supporting actress. But I believe Florence Pugh was nominated as best supporting actress for Amy. Somebody had to be, right? That's that's true. That's a point for Kristen. Oh, yes. no. Was, wasn't Trisha Ronan again nominated for Best Actress? Yes. Uh-huh. She also got Best Actress nomination for this role. No. Do I get two points? You get like, yeah, that's probably worth two points. You got both of them. Huzzah. It's so early. Off to an early lead. No. To Not give her it. two points. Anyway, Little Woman. Little Women. It premiered at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City almost exactly a year ago to the day of this recording. It was it premiered on like December 7th or something. Oh, wow. Nice. And it grossed $216 million worldwide off of its $40 million budget. It also received widespread critical acclaim, including six Academy Award nominations, which included Best Picture, Best Actress, and Best Supporting Actress, as we just said, Best Adapted Screenplay, and a win for best costume design. Oh, it won best costume design! Yay! It I... did. I think it won. It won a BAFTA for best costume design as well. I believe. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, everybody does have like really great costumes. They do. I was very into them. In case it's been a while since you've seen it, Little Women follows the four March sisters, Joe, Amy, Meg, and Beth, over the course of seven years of their lives. Joe, a writer, moves to New York to teach and try to sell her stories to magazines. Amy, who paints, moves to France as a companion to their grumpy old aunt, where she meets and dates a rich man named Fred Vaughn. Meg, who wants to be an actress, attends a debutante ball and meets her future husband, John, a tutor for their rich neighbor, Lori. And Beth, who plays piano, is sick all the time, but is also the best of them all. The little women fight and love each other and find their future husbands... I don't know. This one was hard to summarize succinctly, but it features some ice skating, 
a play named Poison, and some of that classic hair selling that I've never understood. Little Women. Should we should we talk about our personality quiz results? Oh, let's do it. Is that a good? Yes. All right. So I won this one because I got Joe, who is the best. Well, I also got my Joe. summary. My summary <laughs> and Hallie's summary I is: interrupted you, I'm sorry. you're imaginative. It's okay. You're imaginative, energetic, and expressive. Like Joe, you love to tell engaging stories. You love to surround yourself with a close group of friends who share the same passions as you. Your humor and wit is your greatest strength. You love to express yourself through art. Joe, I was, I was pleased with with uh, with my. Were you were you pleased to get Joe, Callie? I was pleased to get Joe, but I felt that it was inevitable because I have I have three sisters, and I'm always told I am the Joe, of of okay. our foursome. So I was like, I'm probably gonna get Joe. And then I got Joe. You did. I did. And and Kristen, who did you get? Do you have any guesses? Probably Amy. I was going to say Amy, and that felt like it might be mean. <laughs> Amy's great. They're, I mean, that is a they're, all, they're all great. No, I got Beth, the best of them. <laughs> what? You're not Beth. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's like the worst quiz result you've ever gotten so far. No, no. The summary says your personality matches Beth. You're practical, compassionate, and responsible. Like Beth, you are a protector. It takes you a little while to open up to new people, but once you do, they become your friend for life. While you have a close circle of friends, you're often the happiest when you spend some quiet time by yourself. And mostly, I'm, I'm frustrated because I personally feel that I'm like a mishmash of Joe and Amy and I want to ask my family who has known me for all my life um, who I am but none of them have seen it. None, none of those adjectives describing Beth describe you. All of them. <laughs> no, like, I'm, like you're so aggressively not Beth. That, like, it's I'm a delight. <laughs> no. I think I think I got it because when it was like, how would your friends describe you? I picked practical. Why? Because one time I went to a bar and I was like, oh, I do not like it here. This whole place is a fire hazard. Where are the exits? And that was like my very first thought. So you took you took that one, that one time, and then that one that one result just skewed yeah. your entire cod. Yeah. I did the thing that I said. <laughs> I got Amy, so I was very happy. Oh, so you did the and the second quiz? Because in the second quiz, I also got Amy and was surprised no. not to get Joe. But I also felt like, yeah, I'm kind of a hybrid between Joe and Amy. No, you're not. I, so hooray for us. Did I, I did not get Meg. There is a second quiz. I'll put them both up on the on the Twitter. The first one is the BuzzFeed quiz. But the second one is the one from... Pinterest, it's a, maybe? Called She the Spy. She the Spy. Thanks, She the Spy. Yeah. It's uh you just go and you there's it's got four columns and you just sort of tally up who uh who best suits you. I did not get Meg. I was a cross between Joe and Amy. God interesting. Yeah, I think it was mostly like Amy's into cool stuff like 
Europe and is a water sign and likes flying. Yeah, all of those but things. But Joe is into... No, I'm just saying, like, I felt the same way. I was like, yeah, all these Amy words are better for me yeah. than the Joe ones. But I was... I was pretty scattered all over the place. I had a couple I had a couple baths. I had a a Meg or two. But Joe's into writing. She likes the library. She's I don't know. I don't remember what my other one for her was, but Yeah. No, what, Joe and Amy. What is baffling to me is that on the second one, I didn't get any Joe. <laughs> Like, there there was no Joe in all my things. I had two Meg, I'm looking at it now, three Beth, and five Amy. So, apparently, Hallie, like it or not, I'm part Beth, the best of them. I mean, I got, like, one Beth. I'm I'm aggressively not Beth. Like, you, you were also aggressively not. David is the only one who I can see <laughs> getting Beth. Neither of us are Beth, but especially not you. I just said I'm Beth. No, I'm... yeah, you're a liar. Beth's not a liar. That's never lied in her life. Neither have I. That's that. No. Anyway. Neither of you watched the video on the BuzzFeed quiz. I did not because no. I was late to the party. And so I just took the quiz and proceeded. Okay. I didn't watch the video either, but there oh, is apparently okay. a, I, I was also kind of late <laughs> to the party. <laughs> Um, but there is a video of three of the actors from the movie taking the BuzzFeed quiz to find out if their BuzzFeed quiz results match who they are in Little Women. So if that interests you, it's like three minutes. I, I just couldn't be bothered. <laughs> but um, you can check that out and see if you uh, see if you match any of the actors or their characters. Yeah, so personality quiz. I got Joe. I'm the best. But I'm. Well, I mean, you're. But we, but we all agree bat. that yours is wrong. No, no. That mine is wrong. No, that. No, that, that Kristen's, Kristen's is, wrong. is wrong. Yeah, yours David, is you... yours isn't right, but it's They're whatever. Not. David has had no comments. Of course, <laughs> Hallie, you would say it's wrong, but no one cares about your opinion. My opinion. David, feel it's accurate. Extremely important. Uh. <laughs> I can't see you being Beth either, actually. Harsh. Anyway. Yeah, okay. So, seeing it for the first time, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it this was like a more character-driven movie than we usually watch, with nothing exceptionally out of the ordinary or coming out of left field happening plot-wise. But each of the sisters is like really fully formed and human and wonderful. And I really appreciated that. And I appreciate too, that while we're mostly following Joe, we do get to spend a lot of time with each of the sisters and kind of learn who they are as people and what's most important to each of them. And I really did kind of feel for Joe's struggles, you know, her friendship that turns sour due to like feelings that aren't reciprocated and sort of running away from that situation to New York and the pull of family and trying to navigate her balance between being independent and also feeling lonely and like her relationship with writing waxing and waning like i i could identify with a lot of what she was going through maybe not in the specifics but in like a broader more human sense i don't know joe was just really great and i, I also realized that like while i don't have 
uh, type exactly in a physical attraction sense. I realized that Joe March is like exactly the sort of person I always fall for. <laughs> She's like this. No, I can't. I just, I've tried it and no. <laughs> David, that's sad. <laughs> Yeah, like she's this artist, writer, dreamer, teacher person. She's maybe a little bit of a tomboy. She would be an excellent mother that doesn't want kids or like doesn't really want to get married at all. (laughs) That's my that's definitely part of my type. Another thing that is definitely my type that is is funny is someone who has at one point in their life cut their hair really short. Whether or not it's short at the time that I know them, but like they have at some point chopped off all their hair and Joe chops off all of her hair. I was like, Joe, you're perfect for me. That's a really specific <laughs> criterion. It's not a criteria. It's just like a pattern that I always fall into. Anyways, Joe March. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy you got her in the personality quiz then. Yeah. She's... But then does that cause an existential crisis because you got the person who you love? Oh, no. Not at all. <laughs> I'm just glad that I got Joe. Congrats! Yeah. Anyways, the script was awesome. The acting was great. It's a great movie. Little Women. I don't know what it lost to at the Academy Awards, but I probably haven't seen it, so I don't know that I would have opinions about it. Up for Best Picture? You said? Yeah. Uh, it lost to Parasite. Oh, I've heard Parasite is really good. Mm-hmm. Parasite was good. I watched it. We can take this out because, you know, it does not pertain to Little Women. But it was it was good. But I think the problem was that everyone said, oh, my God, Parasite is amazing. And when I finally did see it, I expected to be blown away. But they're, they're, it was good. And then there was a moment like, over an hour of the way through that really got my attention and from there on out i was like what so i recommend it it's a good movie yeah it's it's on my long list of things that i should probably see at some point yeah but anyway back to little women back to little women so i guess we talked about it a little bit during the quiz results but do you have a favorite march sister i mean course i'm sitting here saying like my favorites are joe and amy and i sit here and i feel like i'm a cross between joe and amy and i don't know if that's accurate or me wanting to be the characters who i like but no i think joe i love her for all the same reasons you just said you know she's super independent and she knows exactly what she wants and all these other things but i think amy is also really interesting because she has a little bit more of the dichotomy of things, I guess. Not that Joe doesn't, but like, Amy wants to get married, but she can also recognize, like she gives in her speech to Lori about how it's an economic issue as well. And like, you know, if you're Meg, you're like, oh, I want to get married because of love. And if you're Joe, you're like, oh, no, I don't want to get married because this and this and this. And I think Amy's interesting because apparently in all these other versions, she's horrible but she seems to have a lot of like good and bad in her and i think that's also reflected in for example the marriage thing of how she can want to get married for love but also recognize that it's an economic thing and all these other issues and i just was really charmed by how young amy 
when Meg broke her ankle, she was like, I have the best ankles in the family and I would never break my feet or break my ankle. And then later we see her making a cast of her foot so that she can give it to Lori and tell him what small feet she has. It's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird and wonderful. just like loves Lori and has the aggressive crush when she's younger. And it's precious to me. Um, yeah. From my understanding, Amy is universally disliked and is usually the least favorite sister. But this is the only version where they like made an effort to to make that not happen. Like from like I have only read an abridged children's version of Little Women. Actually, I've never read the full book, which is a crime. I really should. But I think her, although she does get together with Lori in the book. There's no mention of her ever having a crush on him. They added that for this one to to mm-hmm. make that less of a weird thing that happens. Although I never understood why people were upset about it in the first place because it's an economic proposition and it makes sense. But anyway, and they made Amy like, I don't know, Florence Pugh is just so funny and like yeah. really dramatic and bright and vivacious. And it's just like fun to watch her do things when they're getting ready for the play yes. on Christmas morning. She has to go get, like, her dress or her shoes or whatever. And she's like, I painted them blue to look like a princess. <laughs> and the way she says that is so fucking great. Like, it's it's the way she says that. And then she comes back down and she puts them on. And Joe is like, you have to fall a certain way. And she's like, no, because if I'm going to hurt myself, I'm not going to do it. And I will do it this way and you will like it. And yeah. I love it. It's wonderful. And she's also such, like, a, she's such a little sister like, wanting to go places, but not quite being old enough to do it. And, like, she is as hot-tempered as Joe. I think. She's just, like, a poutier version of it. Like, my favorite things, when you asked about favorite sisters, I don't think I really have a favorite over them, but my favorite parts of Joe and Amy specifically are how mean they can get. Like, yeah, Joe is all those wonderful, creative tomboyish bright things but she's also like so so mean and she's stubborn she's very stubborn and like i really love that the movie doesn't always let her get away with like she's so creative and like a free spirit that like we're going to forgive her for all these mean things that she does like i don't feel like she's off the hook for doing those things simultaneously i feel like amy is not off the hook for being kind of a pouty brat sometimes but like that's how people are and I love how the movie lets them have those faults. Yeah, for sure. I was really mad at Amy for burning Joe's novel. Yeah, because that's like not an okay thing to do. But she's also 13-ish yeah. around, that, around that time. Or she's supposed to be, I think. And, and like, I love apology because she's like, I know, but I really, I really did want to hurt you. And it's the only thing that you care about. It's such a good apology because yeah. it's, it's not an apology but it also is her trying to explain to joe where her thought process was coming from right so it's like a really earnest way of saying like fuck you and i really (laughs) i just really like it and then of course i do love beth i feel bad because i don't dislike meg but i feel like meg is her story is one that's more pushed to the side and we don't see her as often. I don't know. I don't. I don't resonate with Meg as much. I was but just I about do to love say that. Especially how she makes the shoes for Mr. Lawrence, and then she drops them off, and then he brings her the piano. And I love how she was just 
so thankful that she just left the house and immediately started walking across the field and went upstairs and said something and then just gave him this big hug. And she's a shy, like fairly reserved person. So you can tell just how much it meant to her that she just had to go over there immediately and do something. And so that's a very endearing Beth moment to me. But Beth in general is very endearing, which is why I'm Beth. I see. The thing is that like Beth is shy and quiet and reserved and you're not really any of those things. Not like, not like Beth is. Like, Beth is happy to stand to the side, but people know when you're in a room. They don't want to know that you're there, but they know that you're there. <laughs> I unfortunately come in, like, sweeping arms, and I'm like, hello, room. Guess who's arrived? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> your that's vibe. That's what you do. So the vibe is just not a Beth March vibe. It's true. But yes, those are my thoughts on the sisters. No disrespect to Meg. She just is, I don't see her as much and she's not as fun. As I really the, like Meg and I really like her and like her arc throughout the whole movie. I just, she's just the one I resonate with least probably. Yeah, she is like one of the least fleshed out ones, I think. Like, I think, I think that's right. And that's not anything against Meg, but I did have... A somewhat harder time tracking her story I guess compared with the other sisters because you know there's there is oh, what go ahead no there's not much story to track what do you mean you had a hard time yeah I mean she she meets John the tutor and loves him and then they get married and then she's kind of upset that they're poor but I guess that was another thing I was curious about is like we never really find out where their money comes from, but like the Marches as a family, they're kind of rich, right? No, no. You don't think so? I mean, they're. I mean, they're not. They're not rich like Mr. Lawrence and like Lori's grandfather are rich, but like they don't. Even though they don't have a house, they're like his. They seem to have a lot of money for the time. But would you like think Aunt- that if you had not seen the house that? they go to help with where those people are truly like poor have nothing and obviously you know the marches are better off than them financially but would you still think that they are somewhat wealthy had you not seen the state of the other house i don't know i mean they've got they have what's her her name is it hannah oh they're have made person yeah, they have like a live-in maid or or servant lady, and I don't know. They have a lot of a lot of. Food. <laughs> I was gonna say they have a lot of food, but like <laughs> I don't know. Their neighbor, their neighbor doesn't. But like that that Christmas morning breakfast that they take to the the poor family, like that's like that's like quite a spread for the eighteen sixties or eighteen thirties or whatever. I admittedly don't really know the details of their economic situation, um, but the having a live-in servant is something that's always confused me with, like, Jane Austen-era stories as well, because everybody says, like, oh, we are a very poor family, but they have, they have, like, staff, Um, and it's always confused me a little bit, but I just assume that they're, like, lower middle class-ish, uh... As a, as a rough comparison, 
to today. They they seem like they seem like a landed family that maybe doesn't have enough money to upkeep their land. And they're not landed like an English nobility where they have like gardens and farms and all that. But I feel like they've inherited the house that they have and they just don't have enough to like they they don't have they they don't have like a future. I got the impression they were just getting by, but they weren't able to put anything away. Yeah, maybe that could be. Like they're definitely not as rich as other people around them and like meg when she goes to the debutante ball like she only has the one dress and has to borrow from whatever we decided her name was i already forgot sophie. um so sophie. sophie i'm, I'm reasonably but, um, confident that's her name uh yeah but they also have like aunt march who's obviously very rich and doesn't seem to be helping them financially no. exactly, but <laughs> like, no. yeah, I don't know. Their house is like two stories. They've got glass in the windows. Maybe I'm just thinking of like Little House on the Prairie, which was read to me in like second or third grade. And those sorts of things always made an impression on me. Like for Christmas in Little House on the Prairie, they get like one orange yeah, or something. Or like and it's like, it's, yeah, the, the orange is like, the biggest luxury that they've had all year or but something. The March sisters didn't and... have any Christmas presents that one year with the breakfast. That's true. But did you see that breakfast? Yeah, but I got the impression <laughs> that they didn't have any presents because they decided to have a nice breakfast. And also most people in general, I feel like have a nicer Christmas breakfast like, even, I don't know, I guess I don't actually know about olden times or the various different class structures, but I know that, like, on our Christmas, we have, like, donuts and coffee cake and all these other things that we don't just have on a regular day. So maybe you just saw them on one specific holiday where people intentionally eat a little bit more and a little bit nicer. I feel like, I feel like the the source material tells us they're poor so many times that like, I just buy it. I'm like, okay, this is, this is our frame of reference here. But I feel bad because if I'd read the book, maybe I would know. And I don't. And we're judging for that. I know. I can sense it. Good. David, what what did you think of Aunt March? The only well-off member of the family who refuses to help the family because she's upset with, her siblings' choices. I mean, she's a really great character. I like like old, kind of wealthy, grumpy people as someone to just drop into a story. But I don't know. She's <laughs> she's just like so mean to everybody. <laughs> she is. But the thing but the thing is that she's mean, but she's also right. Yeah. Like yeah. all the time. So I can never make up my mind about her. Because the things that she says aren't pleasant and shouldn't be right morally, but they are right for, like, the times and the circumstances. So I'm just like, I mean, Aunt March kind of has their back in the sense of, like, I'm going to be mean so that maybe you have an idea of your circumstances and what you can do to get out of them. Right. But, like, that doesn't make her a pleasant person to be around. And I really like when Joe inherits the house and she's like, I want to do something to make Aunt March turn in her grave. Not like a full rotation, just a nice turn. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that kind of person as a, a character very much. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't like them as a person to know. I've met somebody like Aunt March, actually. It was, uh, it was a friend of my dad's who's also just like the worst person. Everybody's got but... like that weird relative who's like judgy all the time and you don't want to be yeah, yeah. what you do because they're old and you humor them. Yeah, and also like very rich, like yeah. a wealthy person. And I I spent like I've only met him like once in my life and I spent like 3 days or something with him and it was like the worst 3 days of my life. I hated it so much. <laughs> um but you know, he and also like said some things that were really mean, but in retrospect were probably sort of true yeah aunt march she's uh i like i like that kind of character a lot better in fiction than i do <laughs> in in real life but i also really like meryl streep um, as aunt march i feel like oh yeah for sure people like kind of like with amy people despise aunt march a lot less in this uh in this version of little women people are like oh aunt march is in this scene great Instead of like, ugh, Aunt March is the worst. Yeah. Have you seen, have either of you seen any of the other Little Women adaptations? I have, I have not. Not because I'm bad. I knew so little about Little Women going into this that when everyone was like, we all know Beth dies, I was like, um, please tag your spoilers. But it's such common knowledge yeah. that no like had second thoughts about being like by the way beth dies which was nice i was prepared going into it but i knew nothing about little women all i knew was that my mom always said that people said she was joe and that apparently beth died which she did yeah i didn't even know that i knew i knew pretty much nothing at all going into it as well which I guess isn't surprising at this point. Okay, so did you cry at Beth dying then? Because you apparently don't cry at anything. I didn't cry at that. I did see oh, it coming. God. Like, like, I mean, Beth was sick like the whole movie. I sort of saw it coming that she was not going to make it. Yeah. But I also, don't, I also don't like cry at movies. I'll let you know. I'll, I'll let you know like right up top. If a movie finally makes me cry. You have to be like mid crying and you have to have some yeah. typos in your text because the, the tears are just blocking your vision immediately. I mean, that's basically how it'll go. Once I, once a movie finally makes me cry, like I said, once I start crying, it's hard to get me to stop. I'm just a mess. So. But it, you didn't get even, because Beth dying was very sad and I cried and I brought tissues because I was prepared and just as I had like finally calmed down from Beth dying they were all back at the house in present time and Mr. Lawrence was standing outside and Joe was walking up to the house and she was like aren't you going to go in and he's like I was going to but like I, I, I can't bear the thought of going in and you know she's not there it's not right it's so and he sad. was so choked up and emotional that I started crying all over again and then I think I cried harder at that than when Beth died. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They were both, like, really moving scenes. This movie does uh, such a 
job at building all these relationships that Beth dying was of course sad, but instead the thing that got me more was the people who she left behind who are going to miss her so much and it was devastating. Yeah. It was really sad. That, yeah. Like I get that, really sad the best of them. Seeing the three of them in the house at the end making plans without Beth there. Like any scene that should be a whole ensemble scene, but it's just the three of them. It's just it just feels wrong. Yeah. I did really love all the scenes that had the four sisters together, like when they were younger. And especially when they were just like goofing around. Yeah. And you know, it was just the four of them having fun. Like the the scene where they have the clubhouse and they're yes. all pretending to be like old men. I love like, the clubhouse scene. They're wearing the suspenders yeah. and they've got like the pipes. Yeah. And then Lori bursts out of the out of the coat the coat rack. It's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. All all the scenes that were like that were some of my favorites. Because um, Amy's always doing something ridiculous and like in one of them, Joe like whips a pillow across the room and hits Mag with it, and like there's just so much action going on, so and it, it's all sort of chaotic and really lovely. It's it's like part of the reason I feel bad about not having seen any other versions of Little Women, nor ever reading the full version of the book, is because of the conversation they have about what kind of stories are important to tell. Because, like, these are very important to tell. This was great. Seeing them living with their domestic struggles, like, that's a thing that I subjectively really, really like. Stories with, like, small-ish stakes and, like, um, you know, just domestic living. So I really appreciated the conversation where Amy was like, oh, well, we write, writing confers importance rather than reflects it. But especially because when it came out, people, like... A lot of men, like, didn't like it, and people were like, you're fucking wrong for not liking Little Women. And I think there was some war movie that was nominated for Best Picture? 1917. Thank you, 1917. That's what it was. And everybody was saying 1917 should, like, win over Little Women because, like, the subject matter was more important. And that stirred a discourse about, like, why is that movie more important than women's struggles, even if they don't go to war and, like... I don't know, it's just a really interesting conversation that I really appreciated, and I would like to confer importance upon these stories by watching them and reading them. So it it means a lot to me that Little Women got a resurgence, even though I am woefully inept on the source material. But like the scene with uh, Mr. Dashwood doesn't want to publish the story, and then his daughters have read it, and they're like, what happens to the Little Women? And then he realizes, oh, Maybe there is a market. That's cool. That's profound stuff. We should be caring about what women want to read. Like what? Revolutionary. (laughs) Mind-blowing. They only take up half the population. Side note, the conversation directly preceding that, where his wife is like, you never ask about my mom. Even though I ask about your mom. And he's like, I have no idea why. (laughs) It's like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I wish that there was a cut to like 10 years later and Joe has become like fabulously wealthy because she 
talked him into having the copyright for her book. Yep. And Little Women goes on to become a huge success. I was hoping for something like that. We didn't get it, but we can infer I, it. I I am. It's Good. it's my head canon is that Joe is made it as a writer. Yeah. So how did how did you feel, I guess, about the ending where Joe negotiates her main character's marriage away in the novel? And then also like in the movie, she like gets married to Frederick and it gets like a little bit meta, right? It gets a little bit meta. And I, on my first watch through, I was like, oh, yay, she's with Frederick. I like Frederick. I'm happy. Uh, But then I read a thing that implies that maybe that didn't happen and was part of the story that she was agreeing to sell to Mr. Dashwood. I'm still, I'm still not sure. When I saw the movie, I remembered thinking that, because at first I thought it was just actually spinning. But then, you know, he leaves Frederick, and then she's talking to the publisher, and he's like, she needs to get married, or something like that. And then, you know, it kind of picks up again with like, oh, go chase after him. Or maybe she's already chasing after him, and then it's when she gets out at the train station. I don't know. So I sort of got the impression that even if she does end up with him it may be the version we saw in the movie is intentionally supposed to be her spinning it a certain way for the publisher and we're seeing that because even when we see them at the very end he's there yes but we don't see them like interacting as a couple or anything so i think if you wanted you could even say that you know she spun that tale for the publisher but Instead, reality is that she invited him back and he was a teacher at her school. I could see that. Either way, whether she marries him or not, he is not the focus. And that is very important. Because, like, I happen to just like romantic stuff. I was like, yeah, chase him through the rain. Go to the train station. (laughs) Ten out of ten. But also, like, the final shot is her, like, holding her book. And, you know, in watching, like, the whole process of the book being made. So, like that that takes the focus and i read a different article that said that um frederick bear is often cast as just like just like a like a like a 40 year old white guy and here we have we have this frederick bear who is very endearing and very attractive and that was like an intentional casting choice to put to put the prize of the book and the thing that she did over the guy who you all want joe to be with so it's not just choosing over a guy, it's choosing over, like, the good guy. Choosing over the, the spoony heartthrob. The sw- those, yes, the spoony heartthrob. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wanted, I want Joe to be happy, but I also want, I, I was, I thought that Joe would be most happy if she didn't get married. Like, the thing that she said the whole time that she wanted. Yes, but, 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 but. In one of the scenes with Marmy after uh, after Beth dies and Joe has turned down Lori, Joe says, like, I'm sick of people saying that love is all a woman is good for, but I'm so lonely. And that yeah. vulnerability is also one of my favorite parts of her. And the fact that she, like, considers taking Lori back. Bad choice. Not a thing she should have done. But, like, I can see... Like, people make, like, that felt like a very human thing to do because she's so lonely. So, like, I really like juxtaposing, she says that she doesn't want to get married, but, like, humans have 
needs. And, you know, maybe even if it isn't, like, a dazzling true love story, like, the movie wants us to believe, it's like, it's okay to make compromises and seek out human connections because you aren't perfect. And even if you have all these dreams and ambitions and aspirations, like, it is okay to take a step back and, and settle sometimes for for I'm, a different kind of happiness. I don't even think of it necessarily as settling it or settling. Yeah, settling is not quite the right word. As settling, but, you know, it's, it's the whole point where I think for this whole time, Joe has thought that she does not want to have the stereotypical role of wife and all that it entails. And she thinks that being married and having... A husband would only dampen every aspect of her life and I think it's only later on that she realizes oh <laughs> perhaps being lonely um kind of sucks and you know maybe if anything things could be better if I had someone to share it with and again that's not me trying to be like romance is the key point and she should give up trying to be a writer because absolutely not but I think it's realizing that the thing that she had stood against for so long, all this time, she now is like, oh, even not necessarily getting married, but having someone, even if it's just a really close friend, she needs companionship and is a little less independent than she had always thought she was. Not that she, she's, she's still independent. You guys know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. It's so hard yeah. to put into words without sounding like you're like, you just want the girl to get together with the guy and be happy. <laughs> yeah. I did sort of, I, I did sort of wish that like, I don't know. I think that Lori and Joe would have been like best friends for life. If he hadn't made things awkward and not that like, I, I'm holding it against him for expressing his feelings to Joe, like not at all, but like they get along really great and they have the same sort of personality. And I really sort of wish that the movie ended with, you know, Amy gets Lori and Joe becomes like Lori's best friend again or something. Like it doesn't necessarily have to end up with her getting married to Friedrich. They I just mean... like, they have a patching up conversation after Lori and Amy come back from France. But I can see do. why that wouldn't satisfy what you want. Because it is a very awkward conversation, and I think that time she's panicking because she's already like written the letter by that point, hasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's already put it in their mailbox. See And like I... they do if they have the the sort of patching up conversation, but that's sort of before he says, oh, by the way, I'm engaged to your sister. <laughs> like, yeah. Lori... married. Oh, my wife. I have feelings about Lori, and they're not really positive. Like him as a character, do not really like him as a person. Think he and Joe are great together. Think they're BFFs. Uh, think Joe is right in that they would have killed each other eventually. Uh, mm -hmm. I just, like, I don't know. I don't understand people who ship joe and laurie who are like joe should have married laurie like no oh when i first saw this movie i was the publisher at the end where it was like why doesn't she marry the neighbor and joe was like oh because the sister the sister marries him or whatever that was me i was like you're you're telling me that i watched two hours 
of of Lori making hard eyes at Joe and them having the perfect dynamic and relationship for them to not be together. When I watched it the other night, it was, I think, only like the third time that I've seen it. And I think definitely setting it up this way with starting in the present and rewinding to the past and showing Amy and Lori together helps set it up better. But I was absolutely in the camp of they have so much fun. They have such a great dynamic. Why aren't they together? Because they don't... Like, they do have a lot of fun, but it always feels like only Lori making hard eyes at Joe. Yes. The whole time. It's very one-sided, which is fine. Like, that happens. But, like, that's not good for a future relationship. And, like, every time... Like, when they went to the theater, uh, and Meg was walking with Teacher Man, whose name I can't remember... And Joe was walking. John. Thank you, John. And and uh, Joe was walking with Lori. She like leaves him and takes Meg away from the teacher. And that could also just be because she like doesn't like the teacher and doesn't want Meg <laughs> to be romantically entangled with anybody. But it just feels like she's constantly like giving signals that she doesn't want to be anything more with Lori. The whole and movie. If she didn't want that, and she did not. So you know, good. That's fine, but I think in my mind, I was waiting for some sort of, like, you know, she believes in her heart of hearts that she does not want to get married and she doesn't need a guy and no woman does. But I don't know. I think I thought there would be some sort of moment where he's gone for a while and she has not the buyer's regret, which is not quite the right term for this. But not like how she has it now, where she's like, I don't know, do you think he would say yes? And Marmy's like, do you love him? And she's like, I, I think I think we could make it work. And Marmy's like, that's not the same as love. Not that moment, but a moment where she realizes that she actually cares. I was expecting that sort of a thing to happen, and so it didn't. And I was like, are you kidding me? But I, I'm fine now with them not being together but god it still rips my heart out when he's like yeah i think he'll go on and he'll do all these things and i'll watch and i'm like god that's so sad he'll watch i mean it like i feel bad for him because he's like i'll watch and it's sad to be rebuffed by somebody but i also just don't like Lori, and i don't know why he just rubs me the wrong way like he's nice he like let meg use the carriage and he, like, helps Amy when she's uh, been thwacked by the teacher that day and she's crying in his yard. Uh, and, like, he he makes all these nice gestures. I just, like, don't think I could get along with him. I think he's his best self when he's around the March family. And you see that from the moment Definitely. that he uh, yeah. come back and he sees, you know, what a warm and lively and just loving family they have where everyone's interacting and they're engaging and it's crazy but it's wonderful and especially in comparison to the cold dark lonesome mansion that he lives in not quite a mansion but you know so he's like oh this i think he's his best self and i think when he spends too much time away from them like when we meet him at the beginning and amy yells at him because she's like i waited for you for an hour he starts to slip back into spoiled rich boy. Fred Vaughn, everybody. 
Yeah. But it's so not... it's good. I just, and I think maybe you could make an argument that that is his like natural self, but I don't think he's pretending when he's with the March family. I just think that when he's not around them, he's not surrounded by the kind of warmth and family and friendship that would otherwise make him a lovely person. I, but he is yeah. so dead set on like hard eyes for Joe, but also, you know, having that shut down is going to make you a little unpleasant. I don't disagree with you. And I think that he is his best self around the March family and that his upbringing has been like distant and cold and quiet or whatever, even though his grandpa is a lovely warm man. Oh, he's fantastic. But yeah. like, I just, when he's like, Oh, so that you can marry Fred Vaughn. It's like, well, yeah, so I can marry Fred Vaughn. That's what she's here for because she has to. And earlier he does that to Meg when she's at the debutante ball and trying to have a good time in a fancy dress, feeling pretty and important. He's, and she's like, what do you think of the dress? And he's like, I don't like frippery. And it's like said like somebody who has had access to frippery and can afford not to like it. I just, I know that it's like the one line and he could grow out of that and not be, and not, not be a dick maybe when he's an adult and I'm glad he and Amy are together and I think that she calms him down. I just was mad at him about those things and think it would take a while for him to unpack that privilege. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's not an excuse, but I do think that his privilege sort of blinds him. I mean, yeah, like that's not... Like, like the whole frippery thing. He's used to people putting on these things and maybe acting fake. But to Meg, it's a genuine, like, I'm here. I'm putting on a fun dress. I just want to, you know, feel beautiful and dance and have a good time. And that's not how he's used to interpreting Yeah, things. I'd like, and it so could just be his, his thing. And I think, again, he's his best self when he's around the March family. <sighs> I don't know. Later on, turn around and we see that's that's fairly early in who he is i just like i don't know maybe it's because i'm not i'm not like nuts for Tim timothy chalamet the way that everybody else seems to be he's fine like to he's a good actor but like yeah do you think to me it feels like he's a little bit in love with all of the march sisters at one time or another and like him being kind of rude to for being very rude to Meg at the ball is part of that. Like he knows that she's not there for him. He's that she's trying to meet somebody else. And I think it's like part of his jealousy that he, he loves all of the March sisters and he wants to be with any one of them. And I think at that moment he maybe wanted to be with Meg and realized that Meg wasn't going to go for him. So he was kind of a dick to her. I don't know. And it makes feel him... that I think he loves them and maybe is more so like I would like Meg's attention now I don't think he necessarily is thinking maybe I'm gonna get with Meg at this ball and things are gonna be great I think it's more so he doesn't want to share which again isn't good but I think it's probably due to his upbringing and he just found this wonderful family and he doesn't want to give her away especially into this world of rich people and snootery that he grew up with and apparently resents yeah that's all those are all good points and like who wouldn't be enamored with all of the march sisters you know can't fault him there i just like i don't know 
subjectively, I don't like him very much. Yeah, I can definitely see that too. Like he's, yeah, I don't think I would be friends with Laurie if I knew him in person. I like Amy so much because I feel like Joe either agrees with him perfectly, like a hundred percent, or she disagrees. She kind of, you know, pushes him at an arm's distance or is just like, no, you're wrong. But I like that Amy explained the reasons she was upset with him at the ball. And she's like, I think you're this and you're this and you're this. And then when she's talking about marriage as an economic prospect, I don't know. I like how she just sort of explains things and maybe, you know, enlightens him to a train of thinking that he hadn't considered before. Whereas Joe, I feel like it's either yes or no. And if it's a no, she's not going to get into it beyond no, I don't like that. That's or no, how it should be. A very and good point. So it's how I appreciate more that Amy and Lori do end up together. Because like I said, the first watch, I was like, um, no, I would like a refund. This is not the movie I came to see. <laughs> but they work out well. Amy really, I really like when Amy lays down the law like that. She's very articulate. And it's clear that she has grown from the flashback scenes. Like she went from Burns My Sister's Novel but is then able to explain this is the only way I could hurt you to like, to just like reaming Lori, but quietly. I love the voice that she adopts during that scene. It's kind of low like yeah. this, you know, and it's very like deadpan and like sounds really tired. It's just a really good, she's really good in those scenes. I and I appreciate that she tells him off. I think it's extra great because Amy in general especially as a youth, we see her so dialed up to 11, like all the time that when you see her turn it down and suddenly she gets quiet and very still, that's when you're like, Oh, you've messed up. Amy you're, doesn't you're dumb do goofed, kid. less unless you really screwed this one up. So that's fun. Yeah. I guess I do have sort of complicated feelings about her relationship with Lori at the end too. Like a Amy's, I mean, mm -hmm. Because, like, I don't know. On the one hand, I understand why she tells him off when he proposes, even though she has been in love with him her whole life. Like, he already proposed to Joe, and Joe's the one that she knows he really loves the most. Mm -hmm. And that must be really difficult to accept now that, like, you know, she already knows that he really wishes he could be with her sister, who Amy has also all always felt inferior to. But on the other hand, I do understand, like, I don't know, love is love. And I understand why she eventually decides to be with Lori, all things considered. I will state again, though, that I'm glad that Joe doesn't wind up with Lori, because I think they should be best friends. That's that best is fantastic. my final verdict. That is my final verdict on Joe and Lori. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess the last thing I wanted to add about Amy is that like I really do feel for her when she's painting in the in the studio and Lori shows up and she says that she's done with art because she wants to be the best at something or doesn't want to do it at all. Mm -hmm. And like I totally I totally get that feeling, totally. but I'm glad that she does stick with it and winds up teaching it to children at Joe's school at the end. Like that's really great. I'm glad that she found a way to continue painting and like using it in service of other people, 
even if she doesn't necessarily feel like she's going to be star of the art world ever. I think again, not having seen any of the any of the other Little Women adaptions, what's nice about Amy in this one is you can see why Joe's frustrated with Amy and how it seems like she always gets to skate on by and not really face any consequences. But I think it also does a good job of painting Amy's perspective of like she only went over to Aunt March because Beth got what was it, Scarlet Fever, and she hadn't had it before. It's not that she stole Aunt March and the trip to Europe out from Joe. It's that she went there and was reading because she had to so that she didn't get Scarlet Fever. And then Mar or Aunt March decided she was a better fit for the European society or whatever. And you can see her face fall when she, you know, Joe's like, oh, and she invited me? And Amy's like, no, she asked me to go. And even at the end, too, or no, at the beginning, you can see that she's frustrated because they're not mentioning anything about Beth's health. And so it's not that they're saying, Beth is doing really poorly. Perhaps you should come home. And she's like, no, I'm having fun in Europe. They're not telling her. And they made the decision not to say anything until Beth died. And at the end, too, when she is married to Lori and she goes up to Joe and you can see the fear in her eyes. And even when she's talking to Lori and it's like, I've always been second best to Joe at everything. So I think this movie, again, not having seen any of the others, did a better job of fleshing that out and not seeming like Amy's just stealing the boy, stealing the Europe trip, running away from her problems. And I really enjoyed how they portrayed Amy and all of her facets of her personality. Just real good. Yeah, definitely. Oh, we should also talk about Marmy for a bit. Because we don't we don't see all that much of her, but she was like one of my favorite characters. She's just I mean, she's so she's so good. <laughs> she like looks after their poor neighbors and volunteers to help the soldiers and then like gives the father of the the father that she talks to her scarf, like when she's giving him the blanket. Mm -hmm. And like there's so much goodness to her and that's all that we get to see but then she also has that conversation with joe where she says that she's angry every day and like she never blows up at anybody and she just kind of hides it but i really love that about her character that she has that that fire and that anger to her like hanging out below the surface that never boils over like joe's does or like amy's does but that she can acknowledge that it's there and that it's taken a lot of work for her to to deal with it and to manage it. I really appreciate Laura that Dern. conversation too. Laura Dern. She was really great. She was really great. And I think even if I even if I just can never recognize her in anything. My favorite line of hers is when uh the dad returns and everybody's happy and she says, Now I can be mad at you in person. Yeah. <laughs> or angry with you in person. I don't know, it just like or when um when Frederick is there and he's like, I may go to California because they are a little bit better to immigrants there. Um, the dad's like, maybe I'll go out west. And she's like, well, you're not an immigrant, so maybe you should just stay home. Like, I really yeah. like that line showing that she does get mad about things and have, like, opinions. And it's not always just like, I know this is the right thing to do, so it's what I'm going to do. That she does get mad when she 
has to make some personal sacrifices. She makes them anyway. But I just really appreciate showing that side of her. And I think their um, live-in servant person, Hannah, I think she says something like, oh, some poor soul came a-knockin' this morning on, on Christmas morning. And I really appreciate that if you need help, you go to Marmy. Yeah. And it's implied that they aren't doing, that they're like, poor, that, that the marches are not doing well financially because Marmy keeps like giving things away, like their Christmas breakfast and like the, and like the dad is serving in the Union Army, ETC. Like it's implied to me that like, they're really great philanthropists for that time period. Yeah, definitely. No, Marmy's great. I did, I do like the part where she sort of, not snaps at him at the dinner table, but makes that sort of comment like, no, 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 you're gonna stay here. Because if anything, I was sort of bummed when she said that she was like angry every day of her life. And I'm like, man, that sucks. You have to constantly stifle that and like shove it way down because you're trying to help all these people and you have four daughters and you're trying to set an impression, set a good impression. And all these other things and like god she deserves one moment of being able to like break something and have that moment of satisfaction and maybe that's because i'm still too much in my joe and amy phase of life and not in my mommy <laughs> phase of life and i'm like god wouldn't you love to just break something instead of recognizing like no sometimes it's good to just completely put a lid on your anger so i yeah. was kind of sad but i did like that she had those moments where you could tell that she was a little more frustrated because we all deserve to be able to express our emotions even the negative ones i think yeah. we'd all love to grow up to be marmy yeah marmy it felt like that she's angry every day of her life at like systemic injustice yeah. like like the, the big things like like slavery and you know women's suffrage and poverty and you know like the the big the, the big stuff that's going on in society and she's doing everything that she can to help make those things better that's true i don't think she gets you know super mad about like trivial things and i do like that you know she's helping out and she's raising her daughters to have all these opinions as well because the moment uh before we see amy getting in trouble when she's talking with her classmates and they talk about you know slavery and how it's bad and the girl was like okay but like everyone benefited from it even your family and she's like yeah and we should face the consequences too and you can tell that they truly are just trying to help people and do a good thing even if it comes at a sacrifice to them Marmy's just a great person. Marmy's just a great person. I also really appreciate how she handles, like, arguments with this between the sisters. Like, I never feel like she takes a side or makes anybody feel like she's not participating. Like, um, when Amy burns the book, she's like, now, Amy, what do you have to say to your sister? But she also talks it over with Joe the next day when Joe is like, oh, my temper almost killed Amy because she fell through the ice. And, like... It feels like she really gets both sides and is trying to navigate it in a way that isn't just taking one of her daughter's sides, but is also not doing that infuriating thing where the parents like, just stop fighting. Yeah. Like, she I just feel like well. she navigates it really well, and I appreciate that. Definitely. 
the uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is, and I don't know if you know, but what is up with selling hair? How do you how do you do that? Like, why was that a thing? It was. It's like it like Joe sells off all of her hair to make money for something. I don't remember what it was now, but it's like that O Henry story too, the gift of the Magi, where like the the woman sells her hair but the guy buys her hair clips or something and like what's what is up with selling hair how does that happen why was that a thing i don't know i mean i know for wigs and stuff i guess they didn't have the materials to make the synthetic wigs that we can make nowadays that's my guess it's just that back then someone had to die naturally be it of old age or maybe not naturally like a sudden death thing and so just murdered and got their hair taken for wigs it's the whole racket if you wanted a nice wig it's gonna cost a lot of money especially if you don't want it to be gray so they probably were like oh my god look at her blonde hair it's amazing we're gonna pay a pretty penny for that yeah. Okay. I I thought it might be something like that, but this is the the second thing of the period that involves hair selling, and I just I, I didn't know if there was some like big thing that I was missing. I'm doing a light Google to see if there's any other any any other thing. Uh, I could find out how much. How to sell your hair for cash. Is it the same reasons today? I know that there's people that'll donate their hair for like locks of love or whatever. I've done that before. Yeah. Do that again. My hair is so long, but like it's so dead that no one, no one wants this hair. It's not good. I intended to do that last time I got like a substantial cut and I forgot to ask the person and I'm still mad about it. Mm. It's nice that now they're letting people do shorter amounts i thought i heard that that one place is letting you do six inches but usually it's at like a minimum of eight but they prefer 10 and i'm like god you got to be cutting off a lot of hair yeah man but anyway i like that she cries about her hair because you know she's like i'll i'll do what has to be done and i love amy's comment where she just taps beth's arm and is like you never do that but (laughs) (laughs) i'm uh Joe is just crying about her hair because haven't we all been there? You get a bad haircut right. or a bad hair dye and you just get really frustrated. And it was it was a very... and I, It resonated. I felt that. You just need to sit at the top of the stairs at midnight and sob <laughs> about the mistake that you've made. She looks so good with short hair, though. She does! I don't know. I'm sure... I, I wish that I knew... Like, the one trivia bit I wish I knew from this movie is, like, how much that haircut would cost. It's, it's probably, like, a $300 haircut. Oh, they're, they're, but she has them like, like to in, look, like, shaggy, like somebody just chopped yeah, it yeah. up. Like in, yeah, like in real 2019 money. Like, how much would you have to pay somebody to get that, like, sort of stylish but also choppy haircut? Probably a lot. Yeah. I don't know. It was the best. <laughs> and on that note, should we talk about the next episode? <laughs> yes. That's a good All right. to end on. Okay.
Peter is the lead singer of the folk metal band Morbius, who really put the pedal to the folk and metal. However, after their most recent album is panned by the critics and the band starts playing for smaller and smaller audiences, Peter decides that the success of his band is the most important thing in the world to him, more important even than his soul. He makes an offering to the god of stories to grant him the power to captivate his listeners with his lyrics. He pens a song as a tribute to Anansi, lord of arachnids, and it is perhaps the greatest folk metal track of all time. However, when he plays it live for the first time, he realizes the error of making a deal with a trickster god. He starts singing his praises of Anansi's eight legs and eyes. The audience is teleported out of the concert hall and becomes trapped inside the song itself. That's right. The crowd is sucked into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> that was a long setup, but the payoff was worth it. it was... You're welcome. <laughs> It's Spider-Man next time, and we're all looking forward to it. It's Spider-Man next time. Hey! <laughs> this is very Into timely. the Spider-Verse. This is very... Because we decided this a while ago, but now it's timely, accidentally, because Spider-Man 3 is getting made again. Okay. Is it? Okay. I didn't uh-huh. hear anything about it. I've never actually seen a Spider-Man movie. Oh my god, this will be your first one! Yes. This will be my first Spider-Man Aww. movie. I'm so excited for this to be your first Spider-Man movie. I've heard nothing but good things about it, even though I don't know anything about Like, I do know a few things about Spider-Man, just from being a child who was into not comic books themselves exactly, but like trading cards and action figures and stuff that were based on superheroes. So I do know some, some like comic book stuff, not a lot, but some, so Spider-Man. Woo. So psyched. Yeah. So that'll be in two weeks. And um, does anybody have anything else that they want to add or talk about? Um, oh, I don't, it doesn't need like a whole discussion, but I would just like to take a moment to appreciate Florence Pugh's braids in this movie. I tried to do them, and not only is my hair not long enough, it's just not braidable. It's, I, <laughs> I really want to do that hair. It's very good. She has wonderful hair. Just wonderful hair. She could sell it. It would sell for a lot. Pretty penny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are really great. Yeah. Everybody, all of the marches have really great hair. Maybe that's just a thing that happens when you're a fancy actor. <laughs> Maybe. But, yeah, so it's not really a discussion point. I just wanted the world to know that yeah. they should appreciate this. Yes. Agreed. But I think I'm all set. All right. So, until next time, goodbye, Kristen. Fare thee well, David. Goodbye, Hallie. I am was going to say the exact phrase, fare thee well. I'm <laughs> furious. <laughs> furious. Right. Goodbye, David. Goodbye, listeners. And so long. <laughs>